All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. Who has an infectious face? I just, yeah. Um, today we have <laughs> it's literature, it's literature Wednesday. Um, and for longtime listeners, you'll know this for newcomers. Thank you. Please don't forget to hit subscribe, like this video, share all the all the things that I feel like I shouldn't have to say, and yet I probably should. Um, do those and then leave us a comment because we are lacking in the positive comment department. The negative department is very full, so you can stop now. But the positive comments can now commence. So thanks for waiting. Your turn is now here. Um, so the uh, book we're going through today... It, was that too sarcastic, Jake? Did I just did I lay it on too? It, it thick, might, a little bit, a little just a just a tad, <laughs> just a tad. I mean, it it just bring it down now, bring it down. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm up to here. I <laughs> uh, it's it's funny, fun times. <laughs> um, so we're we're wrapping up. These are the last five chapters of Prince Caspian. Um, going through the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes, unfortunately, it's a sad day. This is the last time we're going through the last chapters in this book. And also, we're putting a pause on Narnia for a little while. We're going to be moving into a brand new book starting next week. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Christian Nationalism by Stephen Wolf. Um, yeah, this is going to be cool. So stay tuned. But also, in the meantime, you can shed a tear for the the... Uh, evacuating Chronicles of Narnia. Um, But, what's that? Good books. Good books. They were very good books. Um, But, we aren't through yet. We've got today's episode to wrap things up. So, went through a lot. Um, Was quite the quite the interesting adventure. Before we get into what happened in these five chapters, though, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And Wednesday means that Jacob does that. So I'm going to pass it over to him to do that. Alrighty, And our verse this week is Psalm 22, 27 through 28. And it says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kin- kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Uh, and with this, something that ties into the book, and I, hopefully I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I would, I would like to kind of discuss this with the book because of these recent chapters. Um, one of the chapters Bruce is going to mention is, um, Ooh, what exactly was the chapter name? My bad. (laughs) I should have looked this up before, but, um, it was, here we go. Sorcery and Sardine Vengeance. So that is the chapter we're going to be covering today. However, it talks a lot about, and, and we can see in that chapter, and that's, this verse is speaking to an optimistic view of the future. Right, the, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All families of the nations shall worship before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So very optimistic, right? Very optimistic, optimistic view of the future. And this competes with two 
and two two personalities compete in this chapter. Um and that would be Truffle Hunter and Nickaburk. Nickaburk being the pessimistic person and Truffle Hunter being the optimistic and wanting to believe that Aslan is coming back and Aslan has a plan and Aslan knows what he's doing. So we follow Aslan and we keep fighting the good fight until Aslan uh, is ready to reveal his plan. And Nickaburk is like, but it's going so badly. We're all going to die. It's over. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, today, to bring this into our current day and age, the same thing is happening to us, where everybody looks around, they see how debased our culture is, they see how immoral our culture is, and we say, there's nothing that can be done. Everyone's too evil. It's, this is, we lose. When we don't believe that God has a plan and that we, again, keep fighting the good fight until God reveals his plan to us and shows yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel and shows us that, hey, here's here's the way out. Here's how you reform this culture. Here's how you change this culture. Um, but until that happens, we continue fighting the good fight, working towards that. So... With that said, um, this chapter is full of really nice, cool things to draw out of it uh, that can to apply to us today and that have very interesting meanings. So I will be talking more about that chapter when we get to it. Um, however, there are a few chapters we want to cover before that. But yeah. I'll give it to Bruce to read out the chapters and do what he does. All right. I will do what I do. So, um, the chapters that we've got going on this week are chapters 11 through 15. Lots, lots of chapters. So, 11 is the Lion Roars. Um, 12 is Sorcery and Sudden Vengeance. 13 is the High King in Command. 14, how all were very busy. And then 15, Aslan makes a door in the air. Um, and so lots here the the interesting thing like right off the bat is that um this where where a lot of these chapters happen is in a historic place that a structure was built around an entire palace right um was kind of built around this historic monument of of what happened um but it's so far in the past that people doubt that it even happened and they're just like oh it's just myth um, that, you know, Aslan died and then came back and then was victorious and this battle happened and all of these, the, the, the kings and queens even existed, right? All these things, they're just myths. Um, and so this is happening in the very place that we know it actually occurred. Um, and I think that's just really interesting to, to note. Um, so, but the first, you know, chapter 11, one of the things I wanted to pull out of that was the fact that none of them could see Aslan until mm. he revealed himself, right? Well, and I'm sure that there's... Go ahead, Jake. I was going to say that um, starting out this chapter, um, the one word to describe this chapter would be faith, right? And that's not only faith in Aslan, that's the rest of everybody else's faith in Lucy, 
that she sees Aslan and that she's not just dreaming, right? As Susan was saying, um, and that, you know, she wasn't trying to drag them along. And then you get to that point where the, all the children, where Lucy walks into, um, he walks into, she, sorry, she walks into this, br br sorry, brush and it looks like, because on the other side of the brush, everybody else saw before, everybody else knew, that on the other side of the brush, brush was a cliff. So you walk through the brush, you're walking over a cliff. And that's, that's what they think. And so Lucy goes through, and when she goes through following Aslan, as she does, she sees that there's a path down hmm. the ravine, down the cliff, and into a different area, or there's there's a way across, and of course, he added to this. I don't know exactly what you wanted to bring up, um, and sorry if I'm trampling on that. But no, um, no you took exactly where I was going, which is great. <laughs> but with that, you have the one person who was redeemed, the one person who, in the very second book, who who went through trials and tribulations, who sinned, who had issues, and he was redeemed, and now learning from his mistakes, he proves to be a little bit wiser than everyone else. Because he yeah. follows, he trusts, he has faith. And yeah, knowing great. that he didn't have faith before, he says, no, I'm going to correct that mistake. I will have faith this time. And yep. he does, and it, and it works. It works out. So I, it was amazing to me. Just Lucy goes through the through the brush, and Edmund's looking at it a second, and he's like, "I guess I'm going through the brush." And he pushes the brush away, and he sees the path. And of course, Peter and Susan are still arguing up there whether or not they want to follow or not. Um, Susan, being the most beastly, as I would describe it, as anyone, um, and of course, there's. That Bruce and I were talking in the the pre-show was was Susan being beastly like as Edmund was in the very first book. Sorry, in the second book. And I'll I'll let Bruce explain what he said to me. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, I it, you, you better take it because I'm in I'm, a different I'm place. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's true. That's true. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have no, just given fine. that to you. But um, <laughs> yeah, so what, what was described is that, um, in a sense, this is one short phase of re rebelliousness, whereas Edmund, throughout the entire thing, premeditated for a long time this, this um, capturing them and putting them in Narnia and taking them to the witch. Not understanding, taking them, taking them back to the witch, and so all that happens. However, this is a very short period of time of rebelliousness where Susan does say, and she apologizes to Lucy when she finally does see Aslan. Um, and she explained to Lucy that it was, she did believe that Aslan was there, but she didn't want to believe that Aslan was, was there. Um, so with that said, if Bruce, you yeah. want, I can continue into the next chapter unless you, don't want me to be doing um, all the talking. Yeah, we should probably move on. I was going to bring up Break something up. with Trumpkin, but honestly, we're way out of time. Um, 
So let's go into chapter 12. There's so much. There's so much in all these chapters to talk about. So uh, that was great. Thank you, Jake. Let's, yeah, let's move into 12. You had, st- uh, you had some points you wanted to make, or did you want me to make mine? I do. I do. Okay, go for it. Um, you can take 12. So, I'll take the next one. <laughs> awesome. This is perfect. Because um, you, we were brought into this scene of they're in these catacombs within this cave. And they have their whole table, they have their whole council set up, and uh, King Caspian is talking to the rest of the council, that would be uh, Nickabrick and Dr. Cornelius, um, and Trumpkin, uh, sorry, and Truffle Hunter, sorry. Uh, Trumpkin and the other four children are standing away, and so they're not seen, um, they don't know that they're there. But the whole occurrences that are going on, and hopefully you've read the chapter so you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, and I'll just cut right to it, Nickabrick is making all these claims for bringing the White Witch back, for summoning the White Witch from wherever she is. And he's got his two, his two friends, his, his hag, the hag, and uh, the, a werewolf. Um, and that could be a whole nother discussion about the company that you keep. But um, <laughs> with this, you have, in a sense, I, I wanted to explain the, the personality or the traits of Nickabrick in this decision. And that he keeps claiming that he does not believe in magic. But the very fact is that he does. And through all of this, he's saying... He said that wouldn't it make more sense because they were bringing up the fact of Aslan dying and that he was resurrected, that he, 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 was brought, he brought himself back to life. He came back to life. And Nickerberg was like, wouldn't it just make more sense if, it, if he was just dead? And while he's making the argument that the queen has all these powers, that this white, that the white witch had all the power to make winter for hundreds of years, right? And so he believes in that magic, right? Which we know happened, which we know is true. But he doesn't believe in the magic of Aslan. And to bring this in for one quick second, and I will hand it over to Bruce after this, but to bring this into real-world terms, the evolutionist or the atheist believes in this magic of these two asteroids clashing together and happily happening to make a world chaotically with random chance, but they don't believe that Christ could have died and resurrected on the cross. So with that, I'll hand it over to Bruce because I've been done, done a lot of talking. No, that's great. That's great. Um, so the the next chapter, the High King in Command, is laying out um, some really interesting dynamics. I feel like this is the climax it's building to, right? It contributes to the last two books we've read through have had this great battle at the end. And so we're kind of expecting it at this point. The whole book's been building to it, but now finally it's becoming a reality where there's going to be this big showdown between the two greats. Right. And so um, there's this big letter written uh, by Peter. And I think what's interesting is, is the 
um, introduction, right? Hmm. The titles given to Peter. Um, Peter by the gift of Aslan, by election, by prescription, and by conquest, high king over all kings in Narnia, emperor of the Lone Islands, and on and on and on, right? All these different things, um, which is illustrious, it's grand, it's, there's a lot there, but it's also all true. Like, I think so often titles can be these things that are like, oh, just, you know, we use them to puff ourselves up and to, but this is like actually true. Like you go down each one of these um, and they're all true, which is cool. And I think a lot of them are given credit back to where they actually came from. So for instance, mm. you're, there's credit given to Aslan, Peter, by the gift of Aslan, by election, by prescription, and by conquest, right? So all of those things, like credit where credit is due. And then Miraz, uh, son of Caspian VIII, sometime Lord Protector of Narnia, now styling himself, styling himself King of Narnia, right? So it's just interesting to me, the, the contrast. Neither of them are actually the ones who earned their own position. But one of them has a real right and the other doesn't. Um, mm. So I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, so that goes one has on. divine right, whereas, yeah, you have the death. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And so all of, you know, there's there's plotting between the two captains, the two lords, right? They, they want King Mirai's dead so that they can rule. Um, and so because he didn't give them, I think that speaks like, poor leadership right and in reality that's the devil and the people that follow him are the on a bigger allegory allegorically the devil doesn't really care about the people under him who he gets to do his will right he gets them to murder their innocent babies he hates them just as much as he did before they they did what he told him to do right so it's the same thing. It's the, these two lords, all the people that got Miraz to power. He doesn't appreciate them. He doesn't, he's not thankful for them. There's no love there. It's just, he was using them. He hates them just as much as he hates the Narnians, right? Like, there's no, mm -hmm. it's, it's just all about him. Um, and vice so. versa. I mean, isn't it also the fact that these two lords were trying to deceive him? We're trying to if I if I have this the wrong yep. period of time. No, in the they story. were because they but wanted yeah. him dead. Yeah. Right. They wanted him to do the duel because they knew either way. And as we see, they end up actually killing him themselves. But yeah. Yeah. So they so the, all of that occurs. He says yes to the duel. And then um yeah, and then the duel actually happens. And what's interesting, and I'll just kind of wrap this up. Um, Jake, if you had, you wanted to talk about, which chapter was it you wanted to talk about again? The, uh, the sorcery chapter. I forget the rest of the okay. name. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, the rest of these are, are really interesting. I, I think as we're nearing the end of this, I'm going to leave a lot more of this up to the readers um, to kind of just read through more... Uh, there, there are some things that we could extrapolate and pull out, but a lot of um, reconstruction and a lot rebuilding. Of, yeah, rebuilding. I didn't see that. Uh, just the bridge, from? right? I, oh, am I wrong? I must they tore it wrong. down. 
I'm it was sorry. The that's tearing down of the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you mentioned something about building the bridge in the pre-show. There was tearing down the bridge. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then, so the duel happens. But what's fascinating is that um, the thing that was most reminiscent that we talked about last week that was kind of the most sad was the trees were dead and weren't living anymore. That's the thing that actually ends up winning them the day, which which is kind of cool uh, here at the end. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, I think the last chapter, Aslan makes a door, is, is interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that's... I'm trying to go through here and find some of the observations, some of the things I was thinking through. Um, there was... Oh, yeah, there was the kind of the pride of Reaper Cheap. Um, but then this, this is the opposite yeah. of Miraz, where Reaper Cheap's followers were ready to cut their own tails off if he couldn't get his back, right? Which is mm-hmm. a complete the loyalty. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a loyalty, it's a it's a loving of your leader um that I think was was really neat that showed that he was uh kind and caring and compassionate towards them too. Was a strong leader and didn't just, you know, whip them to get them to do what he wanted them to do, right? Ribachip was a good and they leader. Cared. Yeah. 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 He took care of the people under him and, and they appreciated that and were loyal because of it. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, and then finally, just the, there was one line in here and I wonder if I can find it, but, oh yeah. So there was feasting obviously, which as we talked with Pastor Hansen about the massive feast, um, that's, you know, he was a Lewis was a medieval scholar, and so as we read in Angels in the Architecture, you know, feasting was a huge, huge part of you know medieval mm-hmm. Christianity in the medieval world, and so uh, to see that pulled in so directly was was actually really neat, and it's described so much better um, in the book. So look at this, the the final chapter. Go and go back and read through it for yourself. Um, the description of of the exciting happiness of that feast, um, and then finally just the sending off there's this line um and i'm trying to find well i mean obviously one of the secrets is given away which is cool like one of the things that we weren't told in the last book but it's one of the threads that we were like huh where did these telmarine people come from like this is interesting um turns out they're from our world right like they came Mm. through a portal in a cave hundreds of years ago and they just forgot about it. <laughs> like that just didn't get passed down through their history. Um, so I thought that that was, that was really interesting. Um, and wasn't was, it, wasn't it this book that they were sent back through the, that? That's portal? what this is all about. And, yeah, that, yeah. This chapter. Yep. And so yeah. they're told the story and then I'm trying to find this one line. Um, Anyways, the man alive. This is this is driving me crazy. I should have highlighted this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there's this line where there's a sense of choice and purpose. Just because they were Telmarines didn't mean they didn't also get a choice, right? They were given a message. Like the animals shared this message and said, you know, you have a choice. You can either go 
or you can be sent to your own land and be taken care of there, or you can stay. And this was extended to them. This offer was extended to them because, quote, they were created and they were still sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And Mm -hmm. I think that that dispels a lot of like so many people accuse him of racism because they their culture looked a lot like Middle Eastern culture today. Right. And I think that um, this dispels all of those notions of of racism um, that I think were people alluded to. And it's just anyways, there's more there. It's interesting. Look into it. Read through it. Um, But yeah, that's that's basically all I wanted to say. Uh, Leaving things very vague and just kind of top level. But I hope you enjoyed uh, we hope you enjoyed this, this series walking through some of these things. And um, it's difficult when things aren't exactly meant to be one-to-one. And yet we're seeing so many of these one-to-one connections between, mm-hmm. you know, these writings and the real world and all these, you know, things that we're pulling out of it that apparently are like, well, they're there if you look for them. Um, so it's all very interesting. It's uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. But um, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget to send us an email, trdshow at protimemail.com. Check out our show website, trdshow.net. We're looking forward to seeing you next Monday where we break down current events from a biblical perspective. And uh, we will see you then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.